I'm wondering, is my friend Sandy Wilson there, here? Is that that's Sandy over there? Come up, Sandy. Could you just come up quickly? Uh, I've got a friend, Sandy Wilson. He's an air pilot. So why don't you give him a big round of applause? He just comes up for a minute. <laughs> Have we got that microphone somewhere just quickly? Sorry. G'day, Sandy. I haven't seen Sandy for a few years and he's back from South Africa and uh, he's an air pilot. Good to see you, mate. Um, tell us... I'm going to get you. <laughs> I tried to sneak in so you wouldn't see me. <laughs> Sandy, tell us, uh, you're an air pilot, so that must be like big aeroplanes and big salary and uh, great yeah. uniform and everything. Maybe the uniform, but not the big planes and not the big salary. All right. Uh, missionary pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Um, been in Africa for 10 years and uh, moving to Papua New Guinea in a month's time or so. Wow, so Africa, straight open planes. What's uh, Papua New Guinea going to be like flying there? Uh, big mountains, uh, difficult place to fly, very challenging. Yeah, but real need for mission work. Uh, for the planes to help the churches and the missionaries. So, real mm. challenging place to fly, yeah. Any of these planes ever crashed, Sandy? Yeah, unfortunately, um, one this year, a plane crashed, one pilot was killed, and one last year where two pilots were killed. So but That's not in Papua New Guinea, though, is yeah. it? It is yeah. right where you're going. Yeah. So it's dangerous work, hey? Yeah, it is, but uh, the missions and the churches rely on math a lot, and so do the local communities, so... Good to go and serve there, yeah. Great. What sort of things would you be doing in your plane? Like when you're going from one place to another? Who, who are you? flying it. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Keep right on doing that. But what would you have in your Sleeping generally. <laughs> what would you have in your plane? Like what, what would be some of the things you'd do? Oh, people, uh, missionaries, pastors, uh, medivacs, you know, sick people. Um, I've had people nearly give birth to babies on the planes before. Um, wow. Remove cargo, coffee, pigs, chickens, uh, you name it, just about everything. Great. Yeah. Now you've got a, a wife who was Narelle Maddock, but now she's Narelle Wilson. Yeah. And she's got relatives up here, hasn't she? Yeah. And so you've come from uh, sort of kind of via uh, South Africa to uh, UK. UK to America to here. to here, and you're sort of having a bit of a rest, but catching up with some churches. Well, and you're I don't know about the rest bit, but uh, yeah, visiting churches and families who support us. So yeah, busy time, just meeting people who pray for us, who give money to, to us. So you know, people who help us do the work that we're doing. So and busy time, yeah. Must be very hard. Like you must have done lots of Bible study and at Bible oh. College, did you, to get here? Is that what we did? <laughs> we were roomed together at Bible College and Sandy ate all my Tim Tams whenever I had them. And, uh, you got lollies in your office here? Uh, no, not oh, anymore. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, uh, so you've got two little girls as well. Yeah, and Rachel uh, born on the same day as Georgia, remember? That's right, yeah. yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, two about the same ages, aren't they? So it's good. Great. Hey, why don't we just pause and pray for Sandy with MAF. And uh, if you want to be a pilot ever, or you're thinking about um, anything like that, it'd be good to just have a quick chat, Tim. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for people like Sandy, uh, people who would uh, even be willing to sometimes go into uh, such dangerous areas because your gospel matters and uh, your word 
uh, is so important that people need to hear it. God, we pray that you would bless him and Narelle and his kids as he moves into this new venture in Papua New Guinea. And God, we pray that you'd give him such safety and uh, clearness of mind as he flies. And God, we pray that your gospel would be advanced through his and, and Math's work all around the world. So thank you, God, for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Good on you, Sandy. Well, uh, Joe was a, a drunk. He was a, just a complete drunk who was uh, miraculously converted, uh, turned right around at an inner city uh, Christian kind of mission. Prior to him becoming a Christian, he'd gained a real reputation as a drunk uh, of being just like a dirty wino. No one wanted to come near him. And people would look at Joe and they would say, he's just got no hope, that bloke. You know, no hope. His life's not going to be uh, amount to anything. He's just mis- going to live a miserable existence in the streets and in the alleyways. But, you know, after coming to know Jesus, there was just an incredible change in Joe's life. His life was completely turned around when he let God in. And his life changed completely. And Joe, instead of becoming this hopeless wino, he he became the most caring person that people had ever remembered associated with this mission. Joe spent his days and nights just hanging around that place at the mission and he he would do whatever needed to be done. didn't matter how menial or how small the task. But if there was anything that was done without being asked, Joe would just say, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, There was nothing that was beneath Joe when it came to serving God. In fact, some of the jobs that he had to do were like clean-up vomit that was left by some um, sick alcoholic or scrubbing up their their mess after they'd been to the toilet. Uh, He just seemed to do those things just happily with a smile, you know, almost like uh, thankful for the things that he'd been able to do and the opportunity to serve. He could be counted on to, to be there at night when some of these drunk people would come in, too drunk to unclothe themselves, and Joe would help them get undressed, get them into bed for the night, and he'd help them. He would help take care of everyone. One evening, um, when the director of the mission was delivering an evangelistic message in the little chapel that they had in this inner city mission, he, he was delivering his message to the usual crowd of down-faced sort of men and, and people that were drooping their heads. But in that little chapel, one man looked up uh, and heard the message and he responded and he came walking down the centre aisle of the chapel and he came to the very front and he knelt down at the front to pray and he just uh, closed his eyes and he just cried out. He said, oh God, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. God, make me like Joe. And the mission sort of director came across quietly sort of and he said, hey son, don't you mean, I think you should say, make me like Jesus. The man sort of a bit quizzed and he said, is he anything like Joe? (laughs) See, this man had, had seen Joe and the way in which Jesus had changed his life and he didn't know Jesus. But he certainly could see that Things were different in Joe's life. So when people looked at Joe, they saw Jesus. Wouldn't it be great 
to just live our lives where people would look at us and say, oh, make me like Jonathan, make me like you, as they saw you. Because your life was so, uh, just one that was so attractive to people that people said, oh, make me like them. I don't know who Jesus is, but if he's anything like them, I want to be like him. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fabulous? Uh, Joe obviously showed his life was different. Emptiness had gone and now he'd found true happiness. Tonight I want to talk about how we can be really blessed in life and how people can look at us and say, oh, wow, if that's what it is to live a life that's blessed, I want it. Um, not all Christians are like Joe, are they? If you haven't ever noticed that. Like I've met some people and I look at their lives and I've got to admit, deep down, deep inside, I think, if you're this way after becoming a Christian, I'd hate to have known you before you became a Christian. You know, they don't laugh. They don't uh, do anything. They're, they're kind of like boring and everything they do, they kind of don't do. It's as though John 3.16 for them has said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should wipe the smile off their face, stay indoors and drink vinegar for the rest of their lives. And some people are like that, aren't they? You look at them and you think, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want it. Doesn't being like Joe sound so much better? Uh, doesn't it sound so much better to have people looking at us and saying, I don't know much about Jesus, but if he's anything like them, I want to be like that. You know, the Bible often talks about two ways to live. And it clearly describes the two ways that you can live your life. Two different ways, which head in different directions and go in different uh, paths. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Jesus, he, he contrasts a number of different choices that we as people can, must make in our life. He talks about the Two gates, you know, the, the wide gate and the narrow gate. He talks about two trees and the two type of, types of fruit that they bring forth. He talks about two houses that are built on two different foundations. The part regarding the two ways says, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus says. He looks at the people, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But the small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And Jesus says, find that way. You know, make the choice. Walk in the way that leads to being blessed. You know, Psalm 1 is the clearest and the most fully uh, developed um, full expression of the idea of two ways in the Bible. And it's the first time in the Bible that it's so clearly portrayed, the contrast between the two ways. And it starts right at the very start of the book of Psalms. And it's going to go right through the book of Psalms. It's a great intro to that, the book of Psalms because it's going to talk about right through Psalms, the difference between those who follow God's ways and those who go in a different direction. It, lays before us a clear picture of two people, the wicked person 
and the blessed person. The question which jumps out at you and I as we look at this psalm is, which one am I? Am I the blessed one or am I the wicked one? Which side am I on? Which way am I heading? The psalm uh, starts out with the words, blessed. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed. You know, when you look at that word in the English, it kind of doesn't sound too exciting, does it? Kind of like I think of um, maybe a robed priest sort of talking to his parishioners and saying, oh, bless you, bless you. Yeah, be blessed. And it's kind of a bit dry. But when you look at it in the original uh, language, the actual Hebrew term is much more descriptive than be blessed. It's kind of, uh, says, oh, the happiness, many times over. Oh, the happiness, many times over. Oh, the incredible uh, blessings that will come. Oh, the joy, the happiness, many times over. It's an exciting word, blessed, it says. So, so what will bring you and I uh, happiness many times over? Well, it comes from following the uncompromised purity of an upright walk, an upright walk with God. It comes through not following the eroding way of the ungodly. The way of the wicked is described, is described in this verse. And there's three things that a blessed person doesn't do and uh, three parallels. Ha- have a look at, at the verse here and, and I want you to notice some things. First of all, it says, Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right? Those three words, walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or do not stand in the way of sinners. You can put them underneath each other. Or do not sit in the seat of mockers. So you get this kind of picture in Psalm 1 of a kind of a seat that's here. And there's a, a sort of a progression in the life of a person. You know, they're just, first of all, uh, uh, oh, the blessings many times over uh, of the person who doesn't walk in the council of sinners. You know how you just do that sometimes? You just take a walk and you start to walk around where sinful things happen. You know, you don't mean to very much, but you just think, I wonder what they're all talking about there. Those people wonder what they're saying. Maybe you go past the magazine rack and it says Cosmopolitan. I looked at one, you know, a, a while ago just on the stand and it said, you know, 10 ways to lose your one night stand the following day. You know, how to avoid this relationship following on. And you think, well, never do that. Um, but it'd be interesting to think what they say, wouldn't it? And you just sort of hang around with the counsel, the advice. It's sort of like the listening to it. You know, maybe you think, oh, 
Well, Big Brother's a terrible show, but wouldn't it be interesting just to watch it and see what they think and what they say? Be weird to wonder what's going on, you know? And so you think, well, I'll just turn it on for a little bit and see, just see what they're going. I'm not really into this, but just want to listen to the advice or the counsel of some of these funny people. Just see what they say. And the psalmist says, oh, blessings many times over who those who don't even walk in the council, who don't even walk in the place where the advice of sinners is taking place. You know, some people say, oh, you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't do this. Oh, no, this is what you've got to do now. And people at work might start to tell us of things that we've got to do and we can't do. And if you're doing that, you're a dag. And if you're doing that, and we start to think, oh, we better listen and just start to hear the advice and take it on. And we start to think, oh, we better just take note of that. That's the first thing the psalmist says that the wicked person does. They walk in the counsel of the wicked, thinking like the wicked. It's just starting there, just starting to think like they think. Psalmist says the righteous person doesn't even follow their advice. They don't even walk near it. They're in the other way. And the second picture is of one who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. You know, the word stand here means to slow down from a walk to standing still. Uh, The idea is of actually uh, someone coming and taking their stand. The way kind of refers where it says the way or stand in the way of sinners. You know, the walk before was just a, a walk. Now there's a way, you know, there's a habitual way that they've marked out because they've been walking now for a little while and it's become a way. It's a little bit of a path. And instead of just walking on, they're just stopping now. Now maybe they're regularly watching Big Brother. Or maybe they're buying and borrowing magazines from their friends and getting advice regularly about the things they're going to do. Or maybe they're ringing up their friends to find out what they think first, to find out what they're saying. And instead of just walking by and listening, they're actually taking their stand feeling quite comfortable here where the advice happens. Can't be that bad. Psalmist says, oh, oh, the blessings over and over again for those who just don't even go close. Don't even do that. You know, instead of listening and then taking your stand and stopping, Don't even go there. Sinful behaviour in this one becomes habitual. Instead of just a casual walk and listening, it's a way of life. It's a taking your stand. You are starting now to regularly, regularly feed on the sinful advice. And the third picture is uh, is people who sit in the seat of mockers. Here now, instead of uh, walking and standing, they actually feel so comfortable in, in this area where they, where they just sit down. They take their, their seat there. They're in here for the long haul. This has become an actual way of life. These people go a step further. They actually become people who are teachers of sin and tempters of others. And they start to say, this is right. This is the way you should live. And they take their seat. They settle down. They take residence up in the practice of mockery and of scorn of other people. The seat kind of has about it the, the sense of being a seat on an assembly, you know, on a council. You know how when you're elected into a place and people gather together and they sort of say, okay, now we're the 
counsel here. And so the uh, person then says, well, instead of just hanging around and walking by, I'm taking my stand and I'm becoming part of the established sinful practices. Here people going, did you watch Big Brother last night? (laughs) Wasn't that great? You know, oh, I taped it. Yeah, lent it to what's the name and, oh, they're enjoying it too. Oh, yeah, I'm on the subscription for this and that and magazines. I'm the, oh, you've got to know. Did you know that it's daggy to do this now? Oh, wow. You know, and other people, uh, these people now are just ridiculing other people. <laughs> she doesn't even watch it. They've, they don't even know the last thing that's going on. They're idiots. Go to church. You know, it's like now these people are proactively in the way, sitting in the seat like they're elected onto the council of sin. And they're standing there, sitting there, saying, this is my life. Oh, the writer says, don't, don't even go near it. What we see here in this picture is someone who is gradually, spiritually eroded, where they start off, Innocently. But this picture just shows how quickly it is easy to become part of the established sinful way of life. From listening to accepting words, people end up mocking others. From being ungodly, we'll become willful sinners and advocates of sin. I think it's true, isn't it, of how sin works? Starts out looking attractive, pleasing, harmless, just a little bit, doesn't matter. Starts to grip and take control of you. A little piece of gossip leads to an argument and then that leads to open hostilities and a little small hurt that you start to think about all the time starts to grip you and get really horrible inside and ends up that you're a really angry, unforgiving person. And a small amount is stolen and got away with. More is taken. More and more and more and more until we're finally caught with so much that we've stolen. And so it's with sin. A little bit gets more and more and more. Sama says, oh, the blessed person, the happiness many times over person avoids even anything and keeps far away and keeps right from it. You know, in the Bible, in Genesis, there's an example of Joseph who's like this, you know. He was trusted so much by Potiphar that uh, he just said, you just look after my whole affairs. Look after all. I'm trusting it all with you, Joseph. He said, I'm even going to put you in charge of my whole house and my wife and everything's there. His wife started taking a fancy to Joseph. You know, Joseph just kept moving away all the time, not wanting to have even a part of it. You know, he was right over here. And then one day she grabbed him. You know what he did? He ran. He He ran like crazy, left her just holding his garment. He ran. And I think God's telling uh, you and and he's telling us that sin is is terrible and we need to run from it because it will destroy you. Just like Joseph, run from that place. Get away if you want to be someone who's truly blessed. Uh, The picture is so different for the one who walks in the way of the Lord. Look what it says in, in verse 2. Oh, his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and on it he meditates day and night. Now the psalmist is showing us what the godly blessed person is and what they do. They delight in the law of the Lord. Now, why? Why do they get so excited about God's word? Oh, because in it, it, it has direction and instruction for our lives. Uh, in it, it shows God's will for us. When you have God's word and you know that his will for us is contained in its pages, why would you ever want to be hanging around over here listening to little funny stuff that leads nowhere, destroys your life? The, the godly hangs on to God's word, thumbs through it, meditates on it, remembers scriptures, reads over and over. When things go wrong in their life, the first place that they turn is not Cosmo. It's to the Bible. They flick through the pages and underline things relating to all the struggles that they're facing. And they get direction for their life. The psalmist here realised what really shapes a person's thinking will shape their life. The psalmist really understands that whatever really shapes a person's thinking and the way they're thinking will shape the rest of their life. And so he says, hey, if you're going to go walking over here with these guys, you're going to end up acting like them. It's just a a natural progression. You start thinking and thinking like that, you're going to end up like that. And so he says, don't even have a bar of it. Instead, fill your mind with God's word and start memorising it and living it and reading it and studying it all the time because then your actions will change and be different because of what you're believing. Verses 1 and 2 show us two different ways. Couldn't be more different, could they? And first, the way of the wicked. Second, the way of the godly. And the happy person doesn't follow the wicked way. Second, you know, the way of the blessed. And now the psalmist goes on and, and starts to explain to us and give us more and more clearer picture of the way that this person's life lives. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, oh, the happiness at many times over person is like a tree that was planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. That's exciting, isn't it? It's like a tree that's planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season at just the right time great fruit, whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. You know, when people think about the results of following the upright or the godly way, they think of kind of rewards. You know, if I do this, God's going to then give me a reward. You know, you think like that? And in a sense, there's an element of truth in that. However, here, this is not what the psalmist is referring to in verse 3. The writer is actually talking about the blessedness that the person who does not stand in the way of the sinners but whose delight is in the law of the Lord actually has. So it's not like a reward. It's what you actually have if you're over here. Do you get the difference? Like God's not going to say, oh, because you've been reading my word and living and meditating on it, then I'm going to reward you. No, if you're doing that, you are blessed. I mean, that's what, that's what it's like. Um, if you're someone who delights in the Lord in the law of the Lord, then you're blessed. 
The writer uses this image of a fruitful tree. It describes a person who delights in the law of the Lord and draws spiritual nourishment from God's word. Just like a tree draws spiritual nourishment from a stream. So you get this picture of this big tree and right around it, the land might be really dry and everything around it might be dying. But this strong tree has its roots so deep into the ground that the stream that is going by is nurturing and pouring water into the bottom of its roots and this tree is bringing its, getting its roots and nutrients from underneath and so it is growing strong while everything around might be dying. It's like the Christian who's allowing their mind to be shaped by God's word in a world where everyone around might be uh, sinning, uh, becoming more lethargic and things not working in their life. The one who's the blessed one many times over is just going from strength to strength in spite of their circumstances uh, because their roots are down deep. They keep bearing fruit. Do you know anyone like that? Ever, can you think of people who you might know? You know, like something seems to go wrong in their life and they just seem to be more strong. You know, people who uh, just can constantly are spiritually nourished by God's word. Maybe you've seen them face the most difficult circumstances and it hasn't rocked them. It's only made them more stronger. They haven't dropped their bundle in the midst of things going wrong. They haven't turned bitter or walked away. They've actually become more forgiving and more understanding. And then you realise there's something deeper going on. Their roots are down deep. Now, Bishop uh, Frank Retrieve pastors a church in South Africa. And one day, right in the middle of the evening service, a group of three men entered into the church and one threw a bomb which was in a tin and in the tin there was nails as well. And so as it exploded, uh, the shrapnel of the nails and of the tin just was just flung right into people um, all around. And while this guy had this bomb and threw it into the congregation, the other two just started opening fire right on the people that were in the congregation. Many people died, killed right there in church. People grieved and people cried and people mourned. But it was amazing that few people lost their faith. Few people blamed God. And someone came up to Bishop Frank Retrieve and they asked him why he thought so few had left the church after this incident. And I can still remember what his answer was. He came to Bible college and shared the story with us there. He said, I think it was the fact that we had been diligent in teaching our people the word of God. He said we taught it each week, week in, week out. He said they, they taught it verse by verse. And he said because we were faithful in this, when this tragedy hit, the people were grounded in a biblical view of God and of God's word. Stable they were. They were solid. Bishop Frank Retrieve would say that 
the people in his church before this event had already become like trees that were planted by streams of water whose roots were going deep and they were drawing from God's word. And their worldview was not that you know, if everything goes wrong, God's a bad God. They knew he was good. And then in the midst of suffering, he was right there with them and he could help them. And so in the midst of this tragedy, instead of them falling apart, the church continued to grow. It wasn't a reward that these people were given so they could survive. It was the practical outworking of a life lived in God's word. Oh, the blessedness many times over for people whose confidence is in God's word. When things go wrong, you keep growing because God is good and his word can shape you. Then I wonder tonight, what about you? When you think of a tree with its roots deep down and drawing from, is that you? Where do you get your stuff from? Where do you get your advice for life? I mean, how do you know how to live? What is it? Is it, you know, other people or people that don't know God that are guiding you? Or would you say, no, yeah, that's where I'm basing my life and my principles are coming out of God's word. Yeah, when I am in trouble, I do go and speak with other godly Christians and we open God's word and we wrestle with how I can face this next challenge. Well, if that's you, you can face anything because you're wrestling God's word. Or would you say, oh, yeah, maybe I need to do something about that. The writer goes on and he talks about another picture of the wicked. He describes them as chaff. He says, not so the wicked, they're like chaff, that the wind blows away. This second illustration of chaff is uh, the way chaff, chaff, what what do you say? I'll change it, chaff. This is a city boy turned Wodonga man. I'm going to change that. Not so the wicked, they're like chaff. <laughs> no. But look, here, here we've got this picture of a threshing floor, which is at the time of, of harvest. And what, what, what you have is a threshing floor in Palestine um, would be, they'd be situated on a hill, and you'd have a hill in a real windy spot, you'd, you'd try and find a hill where the wind just blew. And right at the sort of halfway up the hill where the wind was, you'd get all your grain and then this would be the threshing floor. And you'd get your animal to, to, dry, to ride over the uh, grain, crushing the grain, and then you'd sort of throw the grain up in the wind and the wind would take all the outside stuff of the seed and of, the, of, of all of that and would, would, it would just be scattered around. It would go. And the good stuff, the good seed that they wanted to keep would drop and would fall to the ground. And that would be where the good stuff was and that that would be good. And the writer here says, of Psalms says, you know, this is what's happening. The heavier grain on the threshing floor, like the chaff, uh, it it would fall to the bottom. The chaff is blown and burned. It's good for nothing. It's like the, the, the chaff that the wind blows away. Just goes everywhere. What happens to it, chaff? Well, it's scattered or it's burned. You know, at the end of the day, all the chaff that's sitting there lying is just burnt up. And he's saying that's what happens to the wicked. First, the 
wicked are like the, the chaff, just going aimlessly in every single direction. You know, they don't have a direction and they're going blown around, tossed and blown by the wind in every, every direction. They don't know what life is about. They don't have God's word. And if someone else comes up with a new idea, well, gee, I better get on that council and find out about that. Uh, somebody else is into something new, well, we better join that. And they're sort of blown and tossed around. And then the Bible just so clearly talks about that there are two destinations and burning like the chaff. You know, Jesus talked about heaven and hell and the realities of that. And the chaff, like those who are wicked, face that destination. If only those who don't know God would realise they're unable to realise because they're following the advice of the world. If only people could see that all that they're striving for will come to nothing if it's not based on God's word and that all that will be left for them will be judgment. If only they could know that they're like chaff, blown and tossed by the wind, good for nothing. Totally useless in God's eyes. Final verse is kind of a really fitting end to Psalm 1 and a fitting introduction to the rest of the whole of the book of Psalms because it distinguishes between the final end of the wicked. And it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the wicked will perish. As a fruit tree uh, and chaff are so different, so totally different, so will the end be for both. The godly will be watched over by God for all eternity. The ungodly will perish. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. So many people living their lives without any understanding of where the road leads. It's the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous is the way of the Lord Jesus Christ who described himself as the way and the truth and the life. When we look at the righteous man, you know, it becomes apparent that no person has ever been able to live the life that's described in Psalm 1. I've been here. I mean, you, you bet I've been over here. I've even been on the seat of, seat of mockers at times in my life. I've walked this way. And the truth is that there is no Psalm 1 person who has never done this. And you just don't get to be over that way by just, you know, hard work and saying, I better get one of those Bible things and start reading them. You need to make a choice, a decision. Because no one has ever lived the kind of perfect life that God requires. Apart from one, Jesus. He lived that life. He came to earth and he never 
went the way of the wicked. The application for tonight's message is not to try harder to delight in God's word. It's not to try with all your might to be a better person. But it's to choose to give your life to the one of whom all of God's word points to Jesus Christ. And then he will give you the, the strength, the power, the desire to thrive and know his word. He'll come into you. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll strengthen you. And he'll help you to live the life that God has always wanted you to do. So tonight, to walk in the way of the righteous and not the wicked starts with giving your life to Jesus Christ. Saying, God, I want to live for you in everything. And I realise I've been walking down this path. I've been standing here. I've been sitting in the seat of mockers and I don't want to do it anymore. And I realise I can't do it in my own strength, but I wanted tonight to say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to put my trust in you. And I want to start living with my life and my roots firmly planted in your word and trusting in Jesus. I want to do that tonight. Sure beats being blown and tossed by the wind, doesn't it? Might be tonight that you want to do that for the very first time. Maybe you're just sick of being aimless. And tonight Jesus is saying, it's time. Change directions, change roads, change ways. I want to invite you to do that. All we need to do is just pray a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, you know, forgive me. I want to start living for you. Come into my life. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I now want to live for you. So if you want to do that tonight, we're just going to give that opportunity to you right in these next few moments. We just like you to pray and make that decision tonight. Could be for you that you've made that decision, but you realise that you didn't realise how bad and how far you've sort of moved back in this direction. And tonight might just be the way to say, I'm just doing a Joseph. I'm fleeing from that and coming back. You know, Satan will want you to say, hey, you, you've gone too far. He, you can't come back now. God wants to say, come right back. Start running. Because I want to forgive you and I want to restore your relationship with me and I want to give you a brand new start. It might be what you're wanting to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that too. You can just say, Lord, forgive me for, for going this way. I want to live for you. I want to start now again to just live my life on your word. And finally, we're going to just give thanks that God has given us his word. And by the power of his Holy Spirit and his work within us, we, we want to be those that are being guided by this every single day of our lives. I am God to work in us. So let's pray. And Matt, why don't you respond as we pray? First of all, I just want to pray for those with those now who are making this decision for the very first time in their lives, giving your heart to Jesus. And if that's you tonight, just in your heart right now, 
right before God, right here this night. Just pray a simple prayer. Just follow me as I pray. Just in your hearts. Dear Jesus, I'm sick of going my own way. Being blown and tossed by the wind. Would you forgive me for all that I've done? I'm turning from that way and I want to live for you. Thank you for dying on the cross and making my forgiveness possible. I just say yes, yes, God. I want to be truly blessed. I want to put my roots right down in your word. Hear my prayer, God. Come in, Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. We pray that prayer. Welcome to the family tonight. There might be others tonight that realise, oh, I've been messing with sin. Yeah, I belong to you, God, but boy, I've just started down that road again. And tonight you've realised that's enough. Maybe you just want to pray something like this with me. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Tonight I'm just fleeing. Forgive me. I don't want to go down that road. I'm coming back. I'm making a fresh start. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Tonight I'm yours again, Jesus. May God give you guys the strength to live now, grounded in his word. Now let's just pray, giving thanks. God, we want to thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, we want to be those that have ears just for you, that hear what you're saying to us, that wrestle with your word, that study it, that memorise it, that live according to it. God, we, we just pray for the fruit that's going to come out of this in years to come. Oh God, the lives that will be changed because they've seen us and they've seen you in us. Nothing, there's nothing better than this, God, in living for you. And we thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name. Amen.